Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and business. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. And today we welcome Todd Anderson, a managing partner at Anderson Financial Group, which is a full-service firm based in Tucson. Welcome, Todd. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you having me. So tell me about your firm. What's going on down there in Tucson right now, that both, I guess, culturally and business-wise, that uh, our business is really focused on a couple of different areas from that perspective. We have a wealth management practice, and I have an employee benefits business as well, that the two kind of merge um, in some business things, 401ks and things of that nature. So tell me about how you your firm went about going through last year, had a change, probably what how you're interacting with clients, and now that we're coming out of everything, what's happening now? So go through that, that process. Sure. Me. Well, it, you know, you think about the, the challenges we faced, and we could start a very granular level and talk about even managing staff at that point that in our community i was still in the office just about every day but my staff was working from home mm-hmm. and so from that standpoint we developed a whole lot of accountability measures and things like that and just ways to interact with them that really didn't exist uh, before and i think that's one of the things that really pushed us so well through last year is just keeping my staff as engaged and empowered as we did that made life a whole lot simpler on me. And uh, just talking to my peers that didn't do that, they struggled. They were trying to take on too much on their own, and they didn't delegate well. Uh, So I think that's part of it. And then as we started to evolve into kind of client contact, it really worked out pretty well from our perspective that a lot of our clients are kind of in the 50 to 65 range, uh, just pre-retirement. And so they were fairly technologically savvy. And so they were really okay going with uh, Zoom meetings and just online uh, or phone call reviews, things of that nature. And then our senior clients, interesting enough, we did a lot of work um, with Zoom with them. Some of them didn't have technology at their disposal. And so I went out and I had uh, purchased some iPads, the big iPad Airs, uh, the 12.9 inch with the Wi-Fi and the cellular service. And I would drop those off to clients prior to a meeting so they could see me via Zoom. And on there, we could pull up accounts uh, and things like that. And I could just point to everything we needed. But they really appreciated being able to see me Mm -hmm. and be able to have some. Because some of these folks, I mean, because of their health concerns, they were quarantined. And they had literally no outside contact. I mean, the grocery delivery people would just leave them at the door and they'd go. And so to actually see somebody that they knew cared about them, beyond the business aspect, it really just won huge favor because they knew how much I cared about them. Yeah. And now that things are beginning to return back to normal, where's the dial going to shift back as far as in-person and and Zoom and whatnot? You know, it's really interesting. Uh, not in the way that I really would have expected, that I'm seeing more and more senior clients that want to come in. I would have expected them to be the, the least uh, available, the, just from health concerns and so on and so forth. But we've gone through the steps. We've all been quarantined. Uh, we meet all our clients with masks. Uh, 
they'll, from a protocol standpoint, you ask permission, do you want to take it off, that type of thing. So we've got them coming in. Folks from like our, our younger uh, 401k clients, that's all still happened virtually. I mean, they're adapting very well from about the 25 to, to 50% range or 25 to 50 year olds. We're meeting almost exclusively with them on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then from the 50 to 65s, it's a little bit of a mix um, as far as that goes. How has your business changed? It has. Uh, and it's actually changed for the positive. Uh, that This has been a very good thing for our business because we adapted so rapidly and just gave our clients the ability to communicate. So consequently, we started picking up a lot of referrals uh, because other folks in the industry just didn't, unfortunately. And uh, whether it be they didn't have the ability to, they didn't have the desire to. I talked to some folks that just didn't think it was going to last as long as it did. Mm-hmm. And so they never embraced technology, or if they did, it was too late. And clients were just scared, and they wanted to know somebody was there to answer questions for them and show how much they care. Has it changed your marketing of how you're going after prospecting and new clients? That has been one of our biggest booms uh, mm-hmm. because of the, I guess, the ability and the willingness of everybody to operate uh, via Zoom and from that type of thing the need to meet somebody face-to-face is diminishing. So we've picked up more clients nationally um, in the last year than I have in the last 20 years. That uh, Just talking to folks uh, via Zoom, online, the by phone, once you build that credibility, and that's really, I think, the, the key factor to anybody that's wanting to pursue uh, marketing outside of their just geographic area, is you have to really dial in your credibility, your systems, your processes, because that's what folks want to understand, that regardless of where you're located, are you still able to take care of them? Is there an age group that you're marketing to nationally? Because it would seem like younger people are more apt to be technology savvy and not want to meet you. Yes, uh, and you're spot on that that group is, but... Unfortunately, in our industry, it's one of those things that those folks also don't have a tremendous amount of wealth to be investing in. And so I've been very happily surprised with the kind of the 55 and over age group and their willingness to engage and begin relationships uh, without meeting me face to face. I mean, 10 years ago, you never would have convinced me that I could open an account and have somebody wire me a half a million dollars. Unless I was, they were sitting out of my office or I was meeting them for dinner. But it's happening regularly now by just creating those value-added propositions and showing them that, yes, you can take care of them. How do you feel you establish trust virtually? I think the biggest thing is you create a real sense of advocacy with, with your prospects. And, I mean, just helping them I, I tell a story that, the greatest compliment I ever got from a client was they said, Todd, you've become our official sleeping pill. Yeah, that's great. And they said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, you know, we know you worry about things so we don't have to. And I said, well, you're right. He said, I ask the questions you would ask if you only need to ask them. And so when you're meeting new people, don't be afraid to share that thought uh, because they want to know you have the expertise to take care of them and that you're going to be in a position to do that. I mean, 
within the first five minutes of a conversation with a new prospect, I'll always tell them I don't ask much of clients, but I ask two things. The first thing is regardless of what idea we ever talk about, I want the first thing out of your mouth to be what's the catch. Because there's always a catch. There is no perfect investment. Said, I mean, if there was, it was Bernie Madoff, and we kind of saw how that ended. Right. Um, and But then we all, I, I say, you know, also, I want you to encourage you to always be asking, what's in it for me and what's in it for you? I mean, I'm never going to begrudge somebody a living, but if I can't look in the eye and tell you how much money, I'm making too much money. And clients want to know that. And if they sense you're hiding that fact, it's going to shoot some credibility. Uh, so don't be afraid to, to kind of address that. Ask those questions, answer those questions before they're asked, uh, because it's going to give them the comfort to say, you know, you really are advocating on my behalf. There's the school of advisors that's fee-based only, and that's what they're going to do. And then there's your school, which offers a lot more different things for your clients because they're asking for them. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. And I think it comes down to just being more solution-focused than than anything. That I've seen very successful people in both realms. Um, and I've seen people have very successful and happy clients in both realms. But unfortunately, the nature of the financial industry these days makes it very difficult to say, I'm only going to be asset-based or fee-based or uh, commission-based. Because from my perspective, if you really want to serve clients, you still have to come with what's going to be the best solution for them. And in some instances, uh, for instance, like in the uh, asset management space, that's normally a fee-based conversation. And I think that's where they get the most value for that. It gives you those trading options and so on and so forth. But then when we say, okay, I want to factor annuities into the calculation as well or into the process, most annuities are commission-based. And if I just had blinders on and said I'm only a fee-based guy, then I have to refer away all of the, uh, the annuity business. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if you've got people that you can trust in that space. Because for me, I'm a very buck stops here guy. And I want to be able to say, you know, this is going to be the solution for you. And I know amongst my peers, I mean, there, there's some controversy there. I mean, especially when we talk about annuities, uh, because there's some schools that say, you know, you should never own an annuity. So it's, it's the worst thing ever. And there's some people that say, you know, everybody should own one. Right. And my perspective is, you know, they're, they're both kind of right and they're both kind of wrong. Um, that, did I ever tell you the, my, my, my screwdriver story? No. Okay. <laughs> this, uh, I, I use the analogy. When people ask me about this, I say, you know, it's kind of like me telling you you should never, ever use a Phillips head screwdriver. So, you know, don't touch one. It's the tool of the devil. Said, and that makes perfect sense until you come across a Phillips head screw. Right. And said, if you've ever tried to take a Phillips head screw out of a flathead screwdriver, you can. You turn it outside and it works around. I bring that up when it comes to annuities. Because the problem happens when people try to use the wrong solution for the wrong problem. That I think in every client's world, there may be a place for that. Okay, But the key is find the problem first and then figure out the solution. Uh, and so, I mean, it would be like saying, I'm going to come to you and sell you a mutual fund, bond fund, because you need guaranteed income. Well, I'd be wrong by doing it. I'd be guilty of malpractice by doing that because it's not going to give you a guaranteed income. And so I would say, okay, if I want a guaranteed income foundation, about the only thing in the market that's going to do that these days is annuities. Yeah. What's, so, the, what's the biggest 
question on the mind of your clients. What happens next? Yeah. Really, much as anything, we say we've been through this. I mean, we started kind of changing our process and really adapting more solutions. When I had a client say, Todd, what happens if the wrong politician opens their mouth at the wrong time? Am I going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And when I started looking at this, I said, well, I need to make sure they're okay. That I don't want to have a conversation with a client that says, if the market goes down, I know I've been paying you X number of dollars a month, but now you can only have 50% of that because the market isn't performing. Well, they wanted that amount of money a month because that's what they needed to pay their bills. So that's a conversation I don't want to have. So I said, okay, how can we guarantee you um, that you're going to be okay? Because one truth uh, that I think most of us will readily admit when it comes to investing is time mitigates risk. And that becomes the issue is how can I set up your equity investments, your stock investments, so we don't have to touch them? Let's let the market run its averages. Uh, we tend to say, if I'm going to invest in equities, I don't want to have to touch them for 15 years. Uh, I'm going to look at all the other options, look at guaranteed income foundations. I look at alternatives. Uh, and so when I talk about alternatives, REITs, limited partnerships, things like that may give us a good solid income, but we trade liquidity for it. So. There, there is no one solution for anybody's problems. It's just being open-minded enough to say, let's start with the problem first. Having the weight of so many of your clients' financial futures on your back, is it a confidence that you're doing the right things that allows you to sleep at night? It really is. Uh, it really is. And, and this has been an evolutionary process for me uh, that 10 years ago, before we really started kind of categorizing, or I use the phrase bucketize, folks' money into these different categories, if you will. I I was just hoping the market was going to be okay to get people the incomes they needed. And if it wasn't, then I was going to have those hard conversations. We were going to have to make changes. And then as I started to do more and more research and saying, okay, how do I start to guarantee things? Um, And that's a phrase that isn't used in, in our space much. But when I can go to a carrier and say, okay, I need to guarantee somebody's income for X number of years or for a lifetime, and then I can go and say, okay, now here's going to be our variable income, whether it comes from bonds, alternatives, things like that. And we say, okay, and this is going to be your equities, but we're not going to touch them for 15 years. And so in 15 years, we're going to make adjustments for inflation and everything else. Then it doesn't matter to the client what happens next year or the following year, the next president. Uh, because we know it's going to go up and it's going to go down. We just don't know when and how much. Todd, why'd you get in the business? Interesting enough, it I almost kind of fell into it. Uh, it was it, it played out as I came straight out of college into the life insurance business. I had for anybody that's been around long enough. I graduated college in December of 1987. I had a great job set up with EF Hutton ceased to exist in October of 87 because the market crashed and they got uh, acquired by Shearson. And so in one day's period, my job went away. And I was supposed to get married two months after I was graduating. So I was getting ready to start a family and everything else. So I said, well, what do I do? Fortunately, I met some wonderful people with Metropolitan Life. I started my career in the life insurance business. As that grew and evolved and I got involved with more and more investments, I did, I kind of had some, some personal... I don't know if a challenge is the right word, but my concern was I would only be able to talk to clients about a certain group of product. 
works because it was just the nature of my contract. And instead of saying, okay, what's the best solution for you? It was more of a conversation. What's the best solution I have for you? And so as I started to evolve with more and more clients, I said, you know, I think there's more to this story. And so that's when we started moving out into opening my own office, moving into the independent space, if you will, in the uh, finance world that I could go out and I could get any solution for clients that solve their problems. Are you optimistic about our future? Very. Yeah. As far as our industry goes, it's real interesting. Even the statistics, I have two boys, 30-year-old and 33-year-old. One's a doctor, one's an attorney. And what I've discovered from talking to them and talking to their friends is they are all hungry for people in our industry because they're getting very good at saying, this is what I know and this is what I don't know. And they're not afraid to ask for help. I mean, we had my generation, I'm a Gen Xer, and we're used to solving all the problems of the world on our own. And we were not the best at going to experts. We just wanted to figure it all out. And so the upcoming generation, I think, is is great for wanting help, needing help, but it's going to be under a different business model than we've seen before. That if you, you're really looking for the person who's just going to write you a check and leave you alone, that those days are gone. Because now with the advent of technology and they can fact check every recommendation you give them, no, that's going to happen until you have that credibility with them. And once you do, then you've got a client for life. It's going to be in the show notes, but if people want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Best way is twofold. You can either call my office. Office number is 520-886-8686. Or please email me. It's todd at myafg.net. Ms. and Mary, wise and yellow, AFG, like Anderson Financial Group.net. If you have any just practice management questions, thoughts on strategies, I'm happy to help any way I can. Todd, we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate having me. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikman.